0: Welcome to Staying Healthy Naturally, a show that focuses on healthy ways to help you achieve optimal wellness. I'm your host, Dr. Gary Krakoff. I have my degree in naturopathic medicine and am a pharmacist at Johnson Compounding and Wellness on Main Street in Waltham. Today's episode is Natural Solutions for Springtime Allergies. So, let's get going. this presentation, any associated materials are for educational purposes only. The information provided is not intended to cure, treat, or prevent disease. And these statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. That's something that's required that we let you know at the beginning. Okay, so histamine belongs to a group of biogenic amines, but that means it is a potent signaling. <coughs> Chemical in the body that are the building blocks for all proteins which can be found in all living animals and are present in various foods like milk, fish, meat, fruit, and vegetables. In other words, our bodies make histamine and we also get histamine from a lot of the foods we're eating. These amines are used by plants and animals. Some plants have histamine in it to protect it from insects and other animals eating it. And some mammals, or most mammals like us, we make histamine for many, many important reasons. And you'll see as we're going along, histamine is necessary for, for our health, for the immune system. It's also very, very important as a neurotransmitter in the body. We don't think of it as that. Problem is, it's like a bell curve. Up to this point, histamine is very beneficial. If it goes past that point, it starts causing a lot of problems. And when we get to what high histamine, some of the symptoms of high histamine, you're going to, I think I'm going to be showing you a whole lot of symptoms that could be related to histamine that we never would have thought of. Because we usually think of histamine (coughs) as a rash, or itching, or sneezing, or runny eyes, but it has a whole lot of other problems. This is the first list, which is just the basic ones. High histamine or histamine intolerance, fatigue, fibromyalgia, IBS, constipation, acne that's not, looks like acne, but it really isn't acne, it doesn't respond to the normal therapy. Um, anxiety, a depression, eczema, psoriasis, rosacea, and a lot of these histamine isn't the only cause or reason, but histamine is a very big player in it. And if during the talk, um, not real, um, spe- personalized questions, but if you have any questions, by all means, you don't have to wait till the end, you can shout out, okay? Because this can be very interactive. This slide's a little technical, um, but I'm going to make it simple. This is just showing that we take histidine, and with an enzyme, turns it into histamine, and what I'm trying to get across here is we need enzyme, an enzyme to be working to make histamine. There's also a few different enzymes that we need to break it down, and that's where a lot of us have a problem, is breaking down histamine. So why? how do we get histamine to release? Well, first, we have an allergen comes into the body, and our immune cells are the hunters. They're going around looking for is this supposed to be here or not supposed to? And if it's something that's not supposed to be here, it'll make a, an, an antibody, an IgE antibody. That antibody, if it's for histamine, for an allergen, attaches to the mast cell and it sits there waiting. And as soon as that allergen comes along, the allergen binds to, to that receptor site and histamine is released from the mast cells is a bunch of new disorders now, which to me means if we're developing new disease states, that means we're more out of balance than we used to be. So now there's mast cell dysregulation and histamine intolerance. All that is is a histamine response to this degree because we're more out of balance and having bigger histamine issues than we used to. Um, Histamine's a messenger molecule. Um, is made in multiple cells. The place where it's stored is in the mast cells, and I'm gonna be showing you some ways to stabilize the mast cells so they can start releasing a more appropriate amount of histamine, not just opening the floodgates and dumping it out. <coughs> this slide shows, and I'm gonna to try to move around so I'm not in front of anyone the whole time, but during a normal histamine response, The the histamine gets the capillaries to widen, it increases the permeability, (coughs) it attracts leukocytes, and we have a systemic response. So that produces the heat, the redness, the swelling, the tenderness, and sometimes pain. And those are all healthy physiological responses. But if it gets to be too much, if the swelling is too much, the tenderness and pain are too high that's an over-response and what we have a tendency to do is if we're starting to have a histamine response, let's take an antihistamine and that can help us feel better and I have a problem with antihistamines but they do have their place. What I'm gonna be showing you is ways to normalize the histamine response. Antihistamines block the receptor site and mother nature Always wins. It might take her a while to outdo what we're trying to play around with with her systems. But if we start blocking the histamine receptors, and Mother Nature is trying to get the mast cells to release enough to get a response she's trying to cause, even if it's too much and wrong, she's just going to keep pumping out more and more histamine and eventually overwhelm the antihistamine. And a lot of people say, well, I just got immune to my antihistamine. you didn't get immune to it, the problem got stronger than the antihistamine was. So what we need to do is figure out how to get a normal amount of histamine into those receptors, get it to do its job, and then break it down and pee it out. And that's how we're supposed to be working. So originally, we thought there was one histamine receptor one type of histamine receptor, but you can see there's H1, H2, H3, H4. The H2 histamine receptors are where drugs like Xantac work. They, if you look on the chart, that'll affect the GI tract, cut down acid. The H1 has a lot to do with the normal um, allergic responses, the itchy skin, the hives, that type of thing. But as you look through this, It can affect the uterus. High estrogen can cause extra histamine release. High histamine can affect estrogen balance. It can affect the respiratory system, which we know, and the neurological system, central nervous system. A lot of people, when their histamine is high, they're tired, they're irritable, and they can't sleep well, which then makes you more tired and irritable, and makes the body less responsive, which causes histamine to go up, which just keeps pouring gasoline on that fire. So we have to think about histamine as much larger than just allergies, and most of you are here probably for seasonal allergies, but there's a lot of other problems that histamine um, can affect, and a lot of times if you have seasonal allergies and you get them more under control, a whole lot of other areas get better because it all has to do with the histamine. So histamine in the bowel (coughs) has a big role, It can affect the motility, how fast things move down or how slow. It stimulates stomach acid to digest proteins and it protects against pathogens. So some histamine release causes more acid to be released in the stomach and acid is what nature put there when we eat food. If it has bacteria or viruses we're not supposed to ingest, the acid kills a lot of them. So then we take the H2 blockers the Zantac and drugs like that, we lower the acid and we can start getting opportunistic organisms in the bottle and start growing things there that shouldn't be there. So it's important there. It's a neurotransmitter in the central nervous system and in the digestive system. It um, is involved in the sexual response. Some erectile dysfunction and decreased libido can be histamine related very important in the sleep cycle, the circadian rhythm, and it's involved in the immune system. So it really is a very important molecule, and we don't wanna just block it, because then we wind up blocking it everywhere. And so we get benefit, and that's why, like the central nervous system side, when you block the histamine receptors, you also block them in the brain, and that's why people get very, very, usually sleepy, and you can't concentrate as well because you're also blocking it in a place that needs histamine stimulation. So when histamine gets high, very interesting, they, I think the statistic now was higher, but this is the only one I could get references on. One percent of the general population has a very high histamine problem, so it's not just a little allergies, it's big allergies, and 80 percent of those people are middle-aged, You know, we have a lot of kids with it, and it's sort of, like they say, they outgrow it. But you don't really outgrow it, you just have a bunch of time where you don't have a problem with it. Then it comes back with a vengeance. Some of the main symptoms that we see, hives, the allergic reactions. The next one is important. Um, When we eat gluten, gluten can make us a little sleepy and bloated and all that but gluten causes zonulin to be released. Zonulin's a chemical the body makes. Zonulin is there for a good reason. in In our digestive system, we have a layer of cells, just like our skin, epithelial cells, and they're bound real tight, and when we eat, the body releases a little zonulin, and that dissolves the glue, and they open up a little to let what should get in, get in, then after the food's processed, Zonulin is destroyed and it sticks. When we have too much zonulin and gluten causes extra zonulin to be released, the openings open up further and stay open longer. That's, if you heard of leaky gut, that's how it got to make, Things leak in and get absorbed, it shouldn't be. And that causes allergic reaction in the body and more histamine to be released. <coughs> the next problem is if there's too much histamine in the gut, and there's gluten, that causes an explosion in zoinoline, and it's like screen door in a submarine. You know, it just opens up wide. everything starts leaking into the bloodstream, and that overloads the liver, causes all sorts of problems. It can cause anxiety, difficulty sleeping, depending upon your system, diarrhea or constipation, there's the IBS type cycle back and forth migraines, rapid high feet, low blood pressure, and it goes on and on. You don't have to read all of these, but this is another, the list was this long, and I just cut a chunk of it out. But some things we don't think of, bladder, spleen, bladder, kidney pain, large lymph nodes, unexplained bruising, bleeding, malabsorption, the skin feels on fire, um, drops in blood pressure, cognitive impairment, Swelling, we know, and inflammation, odd reactions to insect stings, um, some drug issues that if you take a drug, you have an unexplained reaction to it, persistent body and tissue pain, vertigo. So, again, that's usually not the primary cause, but it's a big player in histamine levels that are too high. So, histamine, as I said at the beginning, we start with histidine. If the enzyme's working, we make histamine. It has two ways to go. It gets into the system, and then we either use an enzyme called DAO to break it down when we're done with it, or there's another enzyme called HNMT, which helps break it down. I'm going to be talking in a little bit about the genetics and genetic testing, because we can now test your genes to see if you might have an issue with making the HNMT or the DAO enzyme. And what's very interesting, a lot of people who have allergies, that no matter what they do, they can't get them under control, have a problem genetically. Now, just because you have an enzyme, it doesn't mean you are gonna have a problem. Um, one of the doctors I study with can use an analogy, which I love. Your genetics you're born with and you're gonna die with and you can't treat your genetics. The genetics are a loaded revolver. It has six bullets in it, the hammer's pulled back, and if you pull the trigger, it is gonna cause damage. The epigenetics is our diet and lifestyle and stress level and our exposure in the environment and all that. That's what pulls the trigger. What's very, very satisfying is we can change our epigenetics and get our finger off the trigger. So that part can be reversed. So that's where the genetic testing comes in to find out if you're having a problem, what are we doing that's causing your body to either activate or not activate that genetic SNP? And what can we do to reverse that, clean up the metabolic mess that was made, and you're back on track with your finger off the trigger? So if you have a problem with these, it isn't, oh my God, what am I gonna do? It's, great to know because we can do something about it. Okay, histamine intolerance. It can be for many reasons. In the gut, the healthy epithelial cells release an enzyme called DAO, diamine oxidase. That breaks down histamine in the bowel. So a lot of our foods, and I have some lists, some of our favorite foods are very high in histamine. Because the plants have histamine to prevent the insects from eating them and the animals from eating them. We eat those high histamine foods, and if our gut is healthy, the DAO ends up breaks it down. You can eat, you know, the nightshakes, not have a problem. The problem is if the gut is inflamed or you have leaky gut, uh, the microbiome is off. The epithelial cells are the first ones to get a little inflamed, and they start making and releasing less and less DAO. So that means the histamine in the gut starts causing more inflammation. When that happens, some of that histamine goes through <coughs> the gut and raises your blood histamine level. It also causes more inflammation in the body. So that's where that all those inflammatory problems come in. So just eliminating the high histamine foods isn't the final answer, but it can be very important. Now, if you do have a problem with the gut and you can't eliminate your histamine foods, the DAO enzyme you can now buy separately. So you take it with the meals that have histamine-containing foods and it'll break it down, just like your body would have done it, and that can lower inflammation you still have to work at healing the gut because we always want to fix the why you have a problem, not just put a Band-Aid on it, even if it's with a natural product. High histamine can also be due to mast cell problems, mast cell deregulation. Yes? So
1: taking that DAO in the way you described, is that like taking lactate when
0: you have a lactose issue? Yes, good analogy. If you don't make the enzyme to break down lactose, you take lactase. You don't have enough of the enzyme to break down histamine, you take histamine enzyme, which is the AO. Yeah. And the other nice thing is if you take it and you didn't need it, it doesn't do anything. You wasted money on that dose. So that's good. Um, high histamine is, in the body is usually due to the mast cell deregulation, the biofeedback isn't working. The mast cells. Are just getting signals we need histamine and it's just letting out the dogs and it's just overwhelming the body. And there are things we can do about that. So, high histamine can be stimulating or inhibiting and it affects the brain, the skin, the cardiovascular, digestive, respiratory, reproductive, and the immune system. And so, you know, we really have to start broadening what we're thinking about with histamine. So, if we start taking Tums, or Allegra, or Zantac, we're blocking the histamine receptors, and not just the histamine receptors that are causing a runny nose or itchy eyes, we're blocking them all over the body. Again, short term, if, if you're miserable with histamine, would I, until I figured out what to do, take an antihistamine, yes. I'm not saying you should never take an antihistamine, but you shouldn't be living on antihistamine there has to be a better way to get your body in balance so then even you use them once in a while when you get overwhelmed. The second thing I want to say, like with Zantac for the gut and with the antihistamines, the body is pumping out too much acid or too much histamine depending on which drug we're talking about. And you put up a wall, you built a dam to block the receptor sites so that chemical can't get in and stimulate them. The last thing you want to do if you've been on them for a while is stop taking them immediately. Because all of a sudden you blow up that dam and within a day or two you're either going to have burning like you can't believe or your allergy symptoms are going to go through the roof because the body is pushing back against the drug. And all of a sudden you remove the drug and the body gives the same squirt of that chemical and you're miserable. So what we do when we work with people is We know how you're feeling doing what you're doing. So what we do is we start getting the body to respond more appropriately. And once you know how you were feeling, and you wouldn't have come in to ask if what you were doing was working well, we add in and get the body responding better. And as your symptoms get better, let's say on the antihistamine, if it's a once a day, we might have you take it two days on, one day off, and two days on, one day off for a couple of cycles and see if you notice, am I better and worse and better and worse? If you're staying the same, then we might go every other day, or one day on and then two days off. And you slowly punch holes in that dam, and then eventually the levels get where they should be, and you can stop taking it. But don't just stop it because you'll be miserable. And yes?
2: When you mentioned that um, you can evaluate through genetic testing about the HNMT and the DAO. Yes. Um, because of the DAO that you were mentioning, how um, universally it seems to be involved in the body, can you also test it by either blood, urine, bowel evaluation, you, to know whether you have it or don't, or is it only through
0: genetic testing? You, I'm sure they could go in and take a biopsy of the epithelial cells and Not the biopsy, I'm talking, Yeah, Yeah. Blood, blood work, no, because in the gut, the DAO enzyme is excreted into the bowel, it's used up, and it's gone.
2: So it's not evaluable. So you it, can't it doesn't it that go way. into
0: the blood level. Right. Um, what about bowel? The, well, the bowel, just used the bowel too, because anyway. you wouldn't know. If you didn't have enough, it wouldn't be in the stool sample. And if you had enough, it would have been used, used up. up. Gotcha. So yes. I'll say no. Yes, yes. Okay. Maybe, maybe just like with the genetics, <clears> you could do hot. A tenth of what we can do now, two years ago. So eventually, they might be able to figure out a way. Oh, but that's to that's good. Thank you. Good question. Okay, so genetic testing. The ge- I'm just going to go a little bit into this. If anyone wants more information, I have a couple of good websites. And I started doing this. I went back to school about three years ago, and a lot of this, these pathways, were the most boring thing when I was in school in the 70s. And Steve went to school around when I did. It was something they said, you have to memorize it, take the test, forget it, you're never gonna use it. So we all spent months memorizing all these pathways, passed the test, and forgot about it. (laughs) Now I'm staying up not to memorize, but it's fascinating because with the genetic testing, we can look right into the mitochondria at different pathways. And there's some lab tests that look at the, each of those, a lot of those pathways. So now all of a sudden at 64, it's fascinating, whereas at 23, or 19, it was the most boring <laughs> stuff. But there's simple tests, it's a saliva test, you spit in a vial, it gets sent out. This is one of the few times it's nice when it's a depersonalized society, because you're only a number to the lab, it's about that long. And then there's a research group I'm working with that a lot of docs, because it's the model we use, are looking, and if you have a gene snip, they say, oh, if you have this SNP, take this. And that doesn't work 90% of the time because it's never one pathway. It's almost, I like to equate it to a river from the top to the bottom. And if you have six dams in the river and everybody from top to bottom around the river is flooded because the water's all backed up, the last thing you want to do is open the dam at the top That'll make the people up at the top happy and flood everybody down below. So putting all the genes and your symptoms and your lab tests all together, and thank God there's a program that does this, and looking at the pathways and the metabolic (coughs) pathway, we can see which pathways are struggling, where you've pulled the trigger and the gun, and then we start downstream cleaning up the metabolic mess and supporting those pathways. And a lot of times, you need to do a little cleanup at the bottom of the stack, and then everything starts flowing better. So that's what I'll say about genetics for now. Here are some of the genes. The APB1 gene is the gene that makes DAO. The HNMT, histamine transferase, makes an enzyme that adds a methyl group onto histamine and breaks it down. Now, there's a whole other issue. What if you have enough DAO, and what if your HNMT is working fine? You are making that enzyme. We have to put a methyl group on it. We have to be good methylators. And about 40% of us, as of now, from what they've studied, are very low methylators due to our genetics. So they're doing some <coughs> testing on the MTHFR gene. Anyone heard of that? Okay, that's the big one. And that, you don't methylate folate, folic acid. We can't use folic acid. It has to be methylfolate. And a lot of us don't methylate well. So if you need methylfolate, and you can't methylate the folate from the food, everyone in that instance should feel phenomenal if they take a little methylfolate, because the body needs that to survive. And the problem is, if there's... Problem, and it's like a three-dimensional flowchart with all the pathways. If there's a problem in some of the other areas, and you get this area working real well, like opening the dam at the top, you just overload everything else. So the majority of the people who had high dose of methylfolate feel better for a little while, and then they tank. And we were saying, don't understand it. Now we understand it. So if you're not a good methylator, it doesn't matter what your enzymes. Are level are. It doesn't matter if you have the HNMT SNP or not. You're not going to be able to break down histamine. So a lot of people with real bad allergies, when we start delving into the pathways, it's the methylation problem. We start clearing that up and all of a sudden they say, I don't believe it. It's springtime and I'm not having any allergy problems. It's because the system is now working and the problem wasn't they were biologically low on an antihistamine. The problem was they weren't able to break down their histamine appropriately.
1: So the key to get there, walking in springtime without blowing your nose, um, is genetic testing
0: and coming up with a plan? Maybe. Yes, for a lot of people. But for some people, and this lecture, I'm going to talk a lot about different products and what's in them and what it does. For some people, it's helped stabilize the mast cells, and if they get the mast cells stabilized, they do fine. you might be a little itchy, but you can go out for a walk when the pollen's flying. Your eyes might be a little grainy, but the next day you're fine. Some people, if they don't methylate well, or they're not making enough DAO, then they can never get their head above water in the spring. So there's no one answer, and I, I think everyone should genetic test eventually, it's very interesting, but everybody should genetic do genetic testing. Uh, everyone doesn't need to. We usually, we start simple and look and see what needs to be done. Just when you, if you start doing some research on DAO, usually the gene has the same name as the enzyme. but. For some reason, somebody who was in charge of naming figured they'd throw us a curveball. The AOC1 makes DAO, which breaks down histamine. The DAO gene does something totally different. So what they should be doing is the genes are always italicized, and the enzymes are always non-italicized. So you have to be careful. It should say DAAO for the one that's not involved with histamine, but sometimes it's confused in in the articles and literature and they just call it DAO. So you have to make sure which one you're talking about. Okay, I like Bruce Lipton's quote, especially the last part. Genes are the direct cause of less than 1% of our diseases or our problems. 99% is how we respond to the world. So our genetics, the loaded gun, is only responsible for 1% of our problems. Our epigenetics, our diet, our lifestyle, our environment is responsible for 99%. And the good thing is we can control most of the 99%. So some things to think about is the air quality in your house, in the wintertime, our houses, and... I mean this nicely, our houses are disgusting because we have real tight windows, we're wrapping the house in plastic, we're going around caulking every single leak because oil got so high. And then think about it, you spray an oven cleaner in or you turn your oven on to clean it and it stinks when that happens, no matter which way you do it. In the summertime you open the windows and at least over a few hours the air changes. All that junk is in there for the winter. Or you use a tub and tile cleaner or a toilet bowl cleaner or even the soap we're using in the bathtub on our skin and we're in hot water opening the pores. All those chemicals are coming in. They say the average woman who doesn't spend hours getting ready to go out of the house just normally puts on over 200 chemicals before she leaves the house. And that's on our skin, which is one of our biggest organs. Also, you have to think about all the scents. And when you're using a hand soap, why does it have to smell pretty? And even some of the hand soaps, there's a, I forget the name, I think it's Thank Clean. I can get it for you. There's an app where you can scan barcodes. Mm-hmm. and it tells you how clean the product is. And Method makes a lot of very clean products, household products. But I was shocked, some of them have some, ter- some not healthy ingredients in it. And nine out of 10 times is the fragrance. And when you think about well, the coloring, even if it's a natural coloring, and for soap or shampoo or toothpaste, what does it have to smell and color- have color to it? It doesn't have to be pretty. It has to be effective. Your laundry well, detergent. but
1: you're putting it near you, and your smell. So it has to be something you're willing to
0: have. But to if, it, to if it, what if it has no smell? No,
1: so, yeah. Okay. No now smell some of them comes in very different different
0: levels of no smell. Okay. So check them out because there are fragrances that are fine, and there's fragrances that aren't. Same thing in the laundry. In the laundry, the. Um, I can't think what to call them, the bounce sheets. Oh, yeah. Now, you go out for a walk, you can tell who in your neighborhood yeah. is doing laundry, yeah. you know, 900 feet away. Mm-hmm. So, what is that doing to you inhaling that? It's giving you asthma,
3: asthma. <coughs> higher rates of asthma in the city because of the dry fence and the, those sorts of sheets. Yeah. I have mass activation, I'm allergic to the 21st century of severe environmental and. You don't need even all these products on a shelf. You need about well talk three to him, he's a chemist. You need about three or four of them yeah. and you gimme them around. Yeah. And when you get used to everything not having a scent, you can walk into any store and smell and the soap smell on clothing. Book. I can smell anything. And it's not because I'm super sensitive, it's because my environment's so clean.
0: Yeah, uh, you know. can tell.
3: And there's a lot of things you can just wash with water having the right rag. You can yeah. clean windows
0: with just oh, the, say, dagging,
3: the yeah. right cloth and water yeah. and a buffing cloth.
0: It's we like have that. upstairs, I think they're called Woolseys. they're wool balls yeah, yeah. Yeah. and yeah. you throw them in the dryer okay. and they bounce around mm-hmm. and one, they take care of the static electricity, two, Unstable, the electricity. clothes come out nice and soft mm-hmm. because the fibers don't get hardened mm-hmm. and three, I don't know, but the studies and people who've used them for years say your clothes last longer, and that makes sense because you're putting less chemicals on them. Right. Mm -hmm. So there's so much, yes. And if you
1: do want
2: to smell, you can put essential oils on those balls and keep them in the dryer. Right.
0: Thank you, Jenna. (laughs)
2: Um,
0: So there's so much we can do. One thing I didn't have on the signs is all the environmental sensitive people. There are people now that their body metabolically can't, they've been exposed to so much they can't metabolize it all. So it's getting stored in the body. So that's like a cup that starts getting filled and it should drain out. But if you don't have a good drain going, eventually one drop more and it floods over. And I have people that I'm working with, I have one woman that moved way up into the middle of Vermont, into the woods, living in almost a log cabin because she was so environmentally sensitive she, she couldn't live. So she's doing better, we're cleaning her up, and somebody bought the tract of land and it winds up being upwind of her. and. They put in a wooden, a coal-burning stove, and so they—they think they're being great because they're not using any oil or gas. Mm-hmm. And now she's right back where she started from because even though she's in her own house, just the fumes out of the chimney are putting it. So she said, "I don't know where to go," but we're working on her. So histamine is very important in the environmental allergies, but that's more the rivers backed up, and you have to figure out where your dams are. Yes.
3: It's bad as my allergic background. I mean I was in the woman in the bubble. I couldn't open a newspaper. I couldn't I couldn't I'm glad find side. I couldn't do this. And I mean I'm fine. But it was a lot of work. Yeah. What I did notice this year, my allergist said, your immune system changes every seven years. And uh, we want I had some real episodes, mass cell activation episodes the last the year before, the six months says, so I wanna test you and I went, oh. you know, I think I'd be I'll give yeah, you a condition and have bronchitis by the end. I said, all right, I'll do it in July, I'll cut out a few weeks, you gotta go off all your meds, mostly. Yeah. But she let me stay on feverfew, she let me take Singular, and I approached testing and I was fine. Well, and I said, oh, I'm, 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 yeah. I'm ruining the testing. And in hindsight, I said, well, I don't need my anesthetist means I'm not gonna go on them. And I didn't go on them for four months, now that's, 15, 20 years? Yeah. So that's phenomenal. I'm saying, well, what is it? And I realized, accidentally my vitamin D went up to 80, which is not what I tried for. I wouldn't suggest it to anyone. I, if I had switched to a liquid supplement and eight. I absorbed it more. Yep. And I vitamin stopped. D is and a, I said, no. another
0: thing that's so important.
3: Well, I let it go down, and
0: and you, you had what problems happened?
3: again. I had to start back on the it's we, just need, 50.
0: we need we need vitamin D. The mm-hmm. labs say 20 to usually 100 is the normal range, or 25, and if you're in the 30s, they say you're fine. Mm-hmm. You really want to be the average person in the 50s or 60s, and some people do need it higher. You don't want to go up into the hundreds because right. that's too much, but vitamin D isn't just for the bones. Vitamin D is very, very important, important for the and whole body.
3: A, and the adaptive immune system, yeah, you know. It,
0: yeah. We're we're hopefully learning. You know, it's a little closed-minded, but we're getting there. Okay. <laughs> um, a histamine reduction diet. A lot of people that have irritable bowel are a problem in the gut if you reduce the amount of histamine foods, which is a pain, especially around here in the summertime, who doesn't want to eat nice, fresh um, green peppers and tomatoes and all those great foods? Mm -hmm. But they did a study, and I think it was 1,300. It was 101 people for 13 months, and that they found people who did reduce their, made a conscious effort to really cut out the histamine foods, their allergy symptoms went way, way down. When they added them back in, went right back yeah. to baseline. And so those people, I think without any other testing, we could say they must have the genetic variant and they're not making the DAO enzyme. But so that was very interesting. Um, natural ways to lower histamine. Avoid the foods that are caused that have high histamine. Now, we run into a problem. We're all trying to eat more fermented foods because they're loaded with the good bacteria and in natural bacteria, but they have a very high amount of histamine. Processed or canned food, shellfish, eggs, leftovers. Do you ever notice sometimes when you have leftovers, they were delicious the first day and the second day when you eat them you get gassy. Why? because histamine starts multiplying and a lot of leftovers. So you're aggravating your gut, you're causing more leaky gut, and you start having problems. Um, artificial food coloring preservatives, fermented soy and chocolate. Now does that mean you have to eliminate everything? No. If you're really having a problem, yes. But if not, you don't, what you shouldn't do, is have some fermented foods, shellfish, um, some milk and cheese, and a lot of chocolate afterwards because you're overloading histamine. So rotate those foods. And we have to live, too, and enjoy life. Otherwise, it's not worth going around in the block. Low histamine diet, coconut milk, egg yolk, because the egg white has a lot of histamine. But then, egg yeah, yolk has cholesterol. But, plus of all, I don't think is that bad for us. Um, fresh organ meat. Um,
2: organic or organ?
0: Um, organ, I'm sorry, okay. thank, you. thank you, organic. <laughs> and d- everyone feel free to correct me. Um, the gluten-free grains, fresh vegetables, except eggplant, tomatoes, and spinach, and the peppers are high in histamine. Um, herbal teas, non citrus fresh fruits, and rice milk. So okay. You have to get real strict on your diet. Wait, this is the good list? This yes. is the good list. Okay, absolutely.
1: Okay. What's the deal with eggs? I mean, they were good.
0: And now they're and bad. And then they
1: were bad. And then they were good again. And, and now, now they're, they're bad. bad again.
0: Okay, there was just a study released. We'll sort of do a two-second diversion. Mm-hmm. There was a study released mm-hmm. that people who are eating six eggs a week have, I think it was like a 26% greater chance of a high... And if you eat more than that, it's even greater. And they, they were proud because they did it on thousands and thousands of people. But when you grab the study itself, not the headline, they took people from all socioeconomic groups, which is great, they should do that. But they didn't look at their diet or their lifestyle or their history or anything, all they looked at was Let's take 10,000 people tell me how many eggs you have. So maybe in this group of people six eggs a week really leads to heart problems and in this group of people nine eggs a week does nothing and that's probably why we have some studies that say eggs are good for us and some studies eggs are bad. Some studies show three or four cups of caffeinated coffee lessens your chance of heart attack. Another study shows two cups of coffee increases your chance of heart attacks. Mm-hmm. And to drink decaf, then we went to decaf, and what they decaffeinated with is a carcinogen, unless it's water, oh, unless water? it's water, um, Swiss it's water process. And so decaf is no good. And so my grandmother used to always say, everything in moderation. Mm-hmm. And you can, if you're taking care of yourself, the body can deal with some things it's not supposed to have. Mm-hmm. If you're overloading it, it's eventually gonna kill you
1: you
2: mentioned gluten before. Yeah. Is this n- not only for people who have gluten um, intolerance? Because sometimes we're tested yes. and we're okay for gluten yeah. in terms of the test, okay. but we still should not indulge?
0: Well, we shouldn't eat too much gluten. Grandma now, and Socrates. Most of us can tolerate some gluten. The problem is gluten's added to everything and we're overloaded. Another interesting thing, how many remember grandma making bread? Yeah. She would mix it up, put a damp, um, mm-hmm. towel over it, let it sit till the next day, mm-hmm. and okay, and then for, for hours, hours and then cook it. One, the wheat that we were using back then had much less gluten in it. Two, the yeast breaks down gluten. Yes. And so ideally, you should let it sit overnight. It should be at least 12 hours, and most of, a good portion of the gluten gets digested. Mm-hmm. So what we do now is, with the breads we make, yeah. they put accelerators in there. Yeah. It's 20 minutes and it's in the oven. Or if you have a bread machine, the whole thing's cooked in three hours. You know, so we're eating way too much. The
3: gluten is, because they've developed the grain, and it's like four or five times the concentration. Yeah, Yeah. and then it's being
0: added in everything. So it's again, most people that aren't gluten sensitive or celiac can deal with gluten. But if you think about it, If we're not watching, almost every single thing we put in our mouth has gluten in it, and we weren't designed for that. We're supposed to be out hunting and gathering and rotating our foods and not having processed foods. Yes?
3: Um, In relation to your last um, slide there. So I'm curious about, I I don't understand the night and then I saw spinach up there, and I'm like, whoa, wait.
0: (laughs) Uh, As far as histamine goes. As far as... Yeah. So like, nightshades have a whole bunch of issues okay. for Why? a lot of people. Th- these slides are histamine related? Okay, that help I think a little
3: so. bit. Yeah. Do you think? Yes. What about lemons? They are detoxifying, mm-hmm. so lemons shouldn't also be consumed.
0: I I'm it's not, not aware that lemon is high in histamine. This is
3: your non-citrus citrus fresh
0: fruits. No, non-citrus. I think they're taught. Tar- I'll look that up, oh, okay. but I think they were talking more grapefruit, orange, oh, okay. things like that, but I could be wrong. Citrus. Okay. Good question. I'll have to look into that and then update the slide. Okay. Um, foods that block the DAO enzyme, if you have a good enzyme, is alcohol, the energy drinks, black tree, green tea, yerba mate, but again, there's a lot of literature. Black and green tea have so many good yeah. substances in them for us. So, if you are histamine overloaded and your gut gut DAO is down, then the benefit you get from black and green tea isn't worth the negative side. But once you get the gut healed and working right, then it's not going to be an issue because if you block your DAO, when you have the tea, you're not having tea with everything you're eating in every single meal, so it really isn't a problem. So again, everything in moderation. Yes.
3: The DAO is manufactured in the uh,
0: Epithelial lining in the gut. the
3: enterocytes would be coming from? What cells does it come the,
0: from? Um, yes, the enterocytes.
3: Because I, I read that uterate really maintains the enterocytes, keeps yeah. them healthy. And well, amongst other things, I have what they call autoimmune, never found the autoimmune part of it. Full gastritis, It would be like an explosion and there's nothing with all my sensitivities. I could say go see the coat. I wouldn't take grass I have none. Yeah. Um, so I found a modified potato sound with coat.
2: Yeah.
3: And then I found out it ranges dear because it's enough we and then used what to happened was my gut got better. And when he went in it was like, What have you been doing?
0: I remember in the seventies they used to um, in the compounding area they used to ask us to make um, Butyrate enemas. Remember that, Steve? Oh. And I would go in on a Sunday when the store was closed to make it because that smelled so terrible it would take overnight with fans on oh. to get the smell out of the store. But it was very, very effective. But most people, due to the odor and it's an enema, wouldn't want to do it. But butyric acid, butyrate well, is very helpful. I a night yeah. when I went to bed and
2: boy, things changed. All right. Actually, accidentally. Yes. When it says energy drinks, yep. does that include anything
0: with caffeine in it? No. Caffeine in general or coffee? Well, I'll say <laughs> normal amounts, no, but the energy drinks, like it's the, tasty. what are the shots they call? Yeah,
2: Red
3: Bull. Yeah. Red yeah. Yeah. and all yeah. that. Yeah. And that has
0: not just caffeine, that has a ton of junk in there. The
2: coffees are okay.
0: In moderation, yes. As long as it doesn't upset your stomach or the bowel. Um, Thank you. You're welcome. Now, Every enzyme, whether we're talking about all the genetic testing or even the DAO enzyme, there are cofactors that are needed. So you could have the DAO enzyme, and everything could be, you could be a good methylator, and you could still have a problem because we, that enzyme needs an adequate amount of B6, vitamin C, and copper. So we're finding a lot of with the genetic testing a lot of the enzyme pathways that aren't working as we clean them up they still weren't working and we did a blood test and people weren't processing b6 well or they were a little bit low on copper and you just add a pinch in and all of a sudden they're doing well so we are very complicated it's not rocket science but it's never one entity the only time it's an entity is, if your shoes are too tight, your feet hurt. You can fix the shoe, it's one thing. But anything going on biologically in the body is very rarely one thing, and that's why the drug doesn't always fix it. Sometimes it's like making chicken soup. If you just put a dead chicken in hot water, it's lousy soup. But if you have the right amount of seasonings and celery and an onion, it's delicious. You need a little bit of a lot of things. And this is why these foods are, help, are healthy for us. And when they talk about chicken and turkey and liver and all that, again, we have to be careful. You want wild, grass-fed, otherwise you have all these chemicals in there. So you're eating something that's gonna give you your B6 along with this many chemicals. And the feed the chickens are eating are probably loaded with glyphosate. And now look at what's going on with glyphosate. That was perfectly safe. It broke down in the environment within 24 hours. You could plant vegetables, spray it, plant vegetables, because it's gonna be gone in 24 hours. And now we realize it isn't. And look at our kids. We're giving them Cheerios, and we're all eating Quaker Oats. Those were two of the foods that have the most um, glyphosate in it. I don't even know
2: what
0: glyphosate is. Glyphosate is Roundup. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. So
1: Quaker Oats has glyphosate?
0: It was, yeah. so.
1: Oatmeal
0: is bad. No, there are some oats.
1: Organic organic, organic
0: oats. Organic oats. There's a list out there on the internet. They tested them of what's good. And I was shocked. Cheerios and Quaker Oats are the highest. And we give our kids Cheerios. And we're all eating Quaker Oats. And the reason that glyphosate is so high in oats is they genetically engineered the oats to be immune to glyphosate, so right before harvesting, they soak down the fields with glyphosate, all the weeds shrivel up, and the next day they harvest it so they don't have to separate them out. And the problem is that the oats are still wet with glyphosate and it doesn't break down, so it goes into storage, then it gets processed, and glyphosate is in very high concentration. On the genetic side, there's been a lot of studying. Glyphosate, they've proved interferes with glycine in a lot of pathways, and if you start looking at a lot of the metabolic pathways, glycine is what? very, very important. And, and the group I'm working with is doing more heme. and more studies and finding more and more pathways. It is interfering with heme, which is, okay, it interferes with heme. We worry about iron, is our iron level high or low? But we also have to look at our heme level because heme is the body absorbs iron, it reacts it and it makes heme. Heme is involved in thousands of pathways and glyphosate <coughs> interferes with heme which then is one of the cofactors in a whole bunch of different processes. And this is where the genetic studying. You, might have you know, finding something that nobody in the city could solve. Yeah, yeah, so okay. real interesting. Wow. Another study that healthy bacteria in the gut, the intestinal, not having dysbiosis, very helpful with histamine problems. Caveat to that is a bunch of good bacteria, especially the lacto, a bunch of the lactobacillus, you know, there's lactobacillus and all different names. Some of them produce histamine. So there are a few people, a small number of people that you are be getting a probiotic and it doesn't have the histamine type bacteria. The other problem is where in this, I think in a lot of the world, but in this country, if a little bit is good, a whole bunch is better. So on the probiotics, sometimes you need tens of billions or hundreds of billions of organisms. Most people, you're using it like grass seed, you're overseeding the lawn. If you put grass seed down four inches thick, none of it grows. <laughs> and so putting too much in, you're adding to your histamine problem. Using a well formulated lower potency one, even if it has some of those, we need those bacteria, it doesn't cause a problem. What about and prebiotics? I'm sorry?
3: What about prebiotics like Saccharomyces. Well,
0: Saccharomyces is a yeast, so that isn't histamine producing. And a real prebiotic is basically a fiber. That's what the good bacteria Mm -hmm. live on. Mm -hmm. And prebiotics are getting a real play now, because most of us aren't eating a healthy diet having plenty of soluble and insoluble fiber, so we're starving the good bacteria. So we have to take a prebiotic. But if you eat a real good diet, and you're eating real fresh, clean fruits, vegetables, the nuts, the, some of the grains and seeds, you're getting plenty of fiber, and okay. So I talked about probiotics and that some of them do release. One that I've always liked, the Enterobiotic SBO. Each capsule only has four billion organisms, and it has tw- like 20 different strains. The soil-based organisms, some Saccharomyces, that's a good overseeder and haven't had anyone with high histamine have a problem with that. When you get into some of them that give you hundreds of billions, you're looking for trouble. Sometimes we need that, but the average person on a daily basis doesn't need to be taking that much probiotic. All right, APB1, okay, what I want, the APB1, Another thing that gene affects is how we process the non-steroidal anti-inflammatories. So a lot of people that have a SNP on the APB1 have an intolerance to our, have problems taking Motrin and Advil and all of those. So that I thought was very interesting. So doing the testing, if we knew that and you had some inflammation, definitely wouldn't suggest a non-steroidal anti-inflammatory. Some um, aspirin. Some people have trouble with that, and this is all due to the APB1. Also, diuretics and some antibiotics and antidepressants. So, a lot of times, when we say we're allergic to it, we're really not. It's just the body can't process it properly. Do you know which it is? Off the top of my head, Can no. But if you if you want, if you do a Google search on the APB1 um, SNP. You'll be able to get a whole list of all the drugs that use that pathway.
2: Is it too late to return to the foods for a question? No. Nope. So, um, rice was not listed here, and, and I always think of um, brown rice, whole grain rice, as yeah. good. and yet the comments about I think it's mercury or something arsenic. 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 arsenic, thank yeah. you. Was, so, what is your thought about rice, which we love?
0: I eat rice, but I'm not organic eating rice. organic rice. rice and it I'm california. not eating it as often as I used to and I'm using it as part of my food rotation. And, and you, there's plenty of other grains. You know, I mean, selenium. my wife's making grains that I never even heard of. And if you keep having selenium high,
3: and if I went to celiac, um, a chapter meeting, and I had someone talk from the hospital, on They said, I think it was selenium that you keep up, you know, detox arsenic yeah, better. But, but you can also wash your rice, and that will also help. Would that do it? Yeah, it? well, we wash all, all rice. of them,
0: but, but some of it, but there's all sorts of things. There's the lectins in the beans.
3: Right.
0: And what's really interesting, I remember grandma always cooked beans in a pressure cooker. And when you cook them in a pressure cooker, you destroy all the lectins, which causes GI problems. The, when they're in a can, they have the highest lectin concentration. So the best way is, except we want everything quick, to take the beans, soak them overnight, pour the water out, fill it up, and soak them for another day, and that really lowers the lectins. Or cooking them in a pressure cooker, or what's that new cooker they have? Insta-pod. Now? The Instapod destroys most of the lectins. So the lectins were there to prevent the animals and the insects from eating them. And then we're, we're the most intelligent person, the mammal out there, we just get them and eat them. We don't even cook them. The animals know not to eat them because it gives them gas. How does the high heat compare
2: to this
3: longer method of sprouting? Well,
0: when sprouting is the best way. Okay.
3: Well, because you get all the extras Yeah. For it. Okay. Yeah.
0: But that takes even more time. Yeah. Okay. Um, natural way to lower histamine, avoid toxins. So we talked about methylation. We need to methylate things. That's what the liver does. And that's how we activate a lot of our body's chemicals, but it's also how we detox we add a methyl group on to the molecules. If you're exposed to a lot of chemicals in the environment, you're sucking up your methyl groups. And histamine will be one of the last things the body puts a methyl group on because the man-made chemicals will kill you. Histamine will just make you miserable. And the body's smart. It works at the most dangerous things first. So if you're a low-methylator, you're living in a dirty environment, you don't stand a chance without getting the methylation up. So methylation is very important. If you put less junk on you and in you, then whatever methyl groups you have can be used more appropriately. And so you're not wasting them on things that could be avoided. Okay, so a little bit of a review. High histamine can result in high levels of zonulin, which causes the DAO enzyme to be, less of it to be made, causes more leaky gut, which then allows more antigens into the body, um, more allergens into the body, which causes the mast cells to release more histamine, which causes more inflammation, which causes more leaky gut. A diet with fewer histamine-containing foods can be helpful, and we need all the cofactors. That's why we should be um, rotating our foods, because if you didn't get enough B6 today and you ate something more tomorrow, you ate some chicken tomorrow, you'll be okay. But what if you don't eat chicken? And you hate fresh vegetables. You know, you're really in trouble.
3: Mm-hmm. Can I ask about, you mentioned glycine, which is one amino yeah. acid, but what about, um, to, um, I know when they do elimination, not elimination, um, you know when they take everything on the diet and give you a formula and let your gut rest? It's a yeah. really hard diet. Yeah. Um, and then the they, elemental they, diet. Elemental diet, thank you. Um, mm-hmm. They give amino acids. Yeah doesn't that kind of up all the cofactors and really give the body what it needs? Because well, I was told one tablespoon of gelatin, which is amino acids per day. Right, stuff. but
0: everyone is different because what if I'm not low in the amino acids and okay. you are very low in two of them? Okay. So again, <coughs> chicken soup, having some of the essential things Excellent. gets the machine running better. Yes. You made a comment about what you put on the body. So for example, like lotions. Yeah. What would be a good substitute to that? You know? Well, there are some good lotions, some nice, clean lotions. And I'll get you hold on a, a second. Minute. You mentioned that app earlier. Yeah. yeah. Oh,
1: I can tell you, it's Think Dirty. Think Dirty, I've already <laughs> downloaded it. Oh, okay. It's not Think it's Clean, it's Think Dirty. Yeah,
0: it's a, it's a free app. They don't have everything in there. But as you're scanning something, if it doesn't scan, you can send it to them, and then they'll put it on their list. But it gives you, like we have some stuff upstairs, some skin lotions, and we're doing, I think, a good job. We're going through them, and then we're going out researching what can we bring in. Most of them are very, very good, but there are ones out there that are better, and we're bringing them in. Mm -hmm. But it's it's not as easy as walking in the supermarket, no, that one smells good, take it. You might have Mm -hmm. to scan a few of them, but you can find good, household cleaners and skin lotions and shampoo and soaps and things mm-hmm. like that. We don't need soaps to be real sudsy. That's not how we get mm-hmm. clean. Mm-hmm. So something like a castile soap. The bar's hot as a rock it lasts forever. It's very cleaning, it's very safe, and it's pretty much chemical free. It's drying like this. It so is sorry. a little drying. But then you moisturize. Yeah. You know, with hopefully something that's healthy. Good question. Thank you. Um, Mold can be a big problem for a lot of people with histamine problems because mold activates a lot of systems and, you know, here's a list of things that you work and live in a building that's been exposed to excess moisture. We you live in an area like down in Florida with high humidity. There's no way to get around it, but we really have to be careful with mold and we have to be very careful if we're used, up here, we need a humidifier in the winter but you have to keep her clean, because the last thing you want to be doing is growing mold and blowing it in the air. Yes? Now,
1: you have on your list your, uh, the North Atlantic mold mix, which I've been on for a while, but you always told me one serving a day, and when I pushed, you you were very reluctant to say maybe two,
0: No. Okay. but this says three. If you're having a real (laughs) problem, You go three times a day when it's under control once a day. Okay? If someone is really miserable, and we'll get into those products, I would go one a day. If you tolerate it, go to two a day, and then if you tolerate it after a few days, go to three. But you don't need to be taking it three times a day all the time. Once a day usually gets the body responding well. And then it lasts three times as long, also. Yes. Which
1: so all of these have recommendations. recommendations. but then we the baseline versus the maximum. when you're having when so you when you're having a problem, do you, you go to the, go the higher it. dose on all of them?
0: I would say yes. Okay. For most people. There's always gonna be somebody that reacts okay. differently.
1: Yeah, oh. I don't recommend that women,
3: women um, look at taking progesterone topically because I don't know if people know that estrogen is a mass cell destabilizing. So if you're, Estrogen
0: dominant, right? It yeah. can be, you know, yeah. destabilizing,
3: and it can be hormonal. So, well, right? but
0: the hormones are pouring gasoline on the fire, right? It's if right. they are, mm-hmm. so that's why it's not one thing. Right? It's not just histamine. It's not just estrogen. It's not just the environment, and it's not just your genetics, and it's not just the food. It could be the perfect storm. And some people, if the system is working well, they can be exposed to all this and not have a a symptom problem, they're still stressing the system, but they're not having a problem. All right, another histidine has two pathways. It can go to histamine or glutamate. Glutamate is very important, very creative, forward-thinking people, people who are excited about life have higher glutamate. <laughs> when it's too high, you can get very anxious, not sleep well, be very irritable, explosive. If you're lacking in some of the enzymes further downstream, things get backed up and histidine has to go somewhere. And if it can't go down this pathway, it goes down this pathway. So a problem over here could cause your histamine to go up. So it's never, I just throw that, that gets very technical, but it's never just one thing. Now, zinc. And cysteine are very important to get it to go down either pathway. And a lot of us have a zinc deficiency. And very interesting, a lot of guys with a swollen prostate have a zinc deficiency. I wonder if a lot of them are having a histamine problem too, which is causing more inflammation. I don't know, just a thought. So. One deficiency isn't affecting one area. It can affect all different pathways in the body. And
3: Cambridge just sent around a note saying that I'm sorry? Cambridge yeah. just sent around a note saying there's
0: high copper in the water. Yeah. Which, great going to spring. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, now we're gonna get into some ingredients. Licorice, very, very good for soothing the bowel and healing the bowel. In large amounts, it can cause the pressure to go up. So if you have very brittle high blood pressure, you wanna be careful with licorice. The licorice that's in this product is just a small amount. And so people with high blood pressure, we haven't seen any change on it. It helps the gut barrier heal, it's a good antioxidant, and it has antihistaminic um, properties. If
3: it's deglyceride? I'm sorry? If it's deglyceride, no. it won't
0: work? No, the deglyceride doesn't help with histamine. Okay. It's only the pure licorice. L-theanine, it's a glutamate antagonist. It's very good for anxiety, and it's very calming, and it helps people with sleep, but it also helps stabilize the mast cells, so you're not over-releasing histamine. And when you're over-releasing histamine, a lot of people are very anxious. So isn't that a wonderful, nice amino acid that can work on either side? A lot of people with allergies, you know, with the symptoms, when they get stressed, they break out in hives or they break out in eczema or psoriasis. The skin starts reacting, or they don't sleep well. Now, is that just the adrenals are cranked up, or is it you are also putting out too much histamine, which can affect sleep? So, you have to think a little broader. Stinging nettle to reduce histamine. Stinging nettle works, it's natural, and it works something like an antihistamine. It does more on the blocking of the receptor site than it does on stabilizing the mast cells. Um, bromelain from pineapple, very, very good, and that works, it reduces the edema and inflammation from the allergy attack, the histamine attack, the swollen sinuses, and the puffy eyes, and the swollen mucous membranes, um, and acetylcysteine, NAC, it thins mucus and it's a great antioxidant. And NAC is, the cysteine is even used in inhalations to thin mucus in people with really bad lung problems. What's also interesting is NAC is a precursor of glutathione. And glutathione is the main thing we use to detox the body. And none of us should ever have to take glutathione because we're supposed to recycle 100% of it. But if we have too much bad stuff coming in, we use it up and it doesn't get recycled. So taking some NAC, for most people can, just low dose, can be helpful because that's a precursor, it helps the body make glutathione. There's also liposomal glutathione you It's a, I'm sorry, I went liposomal. You drink it, it gets absorbed going down the throat. So that can be good. But before anyone takes glutathione, we should really be looking at what's going on that they need glutathione. A lot of people take, with their IV, they feel real good for a while, and then all of a sudden they start feeling worse, and that, we're back to the river. You blew up the dam in the middle, and you flooded the people downstream. But everyone up above is happy. So you really have to, you're not feeling real well. There's a lot going on, you really have to look at a broader picture and work from the bottom up. Okay, genetic SNPs have been activated. Some things that can cause elevated histamine. Um, deficiency in DAO, deficiency, um, copper, or B2, you know, different vitamins. A deficiency in the HNMT, um, that, and that requires SAMe. And it's funny, SAMe is used, we've been using that for years for depression and inflammation. And if any of you want a metabolic chart, I can email you one, just send me an email. But it's very interesting, because it has all these arrows, and SAMe, is needed for us to use our neurotransmitters appropriately and to break them down. So if you're not methylating well, and is one of the biggest methyl donors, so if the MTHFR isn't working, you're not making SAMI appropriate. If you're not making SAMI appropriate, you can't use your neurotransmitters appropriately. If you can't break down your neurotransmitters appropriately, you have all this junk in the body, you're sucking down your glutathione. If you can't recycle your glutathione, the body's getting dirty. So what did you say, email you, you meta something? Um, methylation chart. or methyl chart. how's that? That's
1: better.
0: Okay. Um, benefits of a naturopathic approach. Uh, it takes a little time, but we dig in and we find the why. And that's what we all should be looking for. Maybe do something now to feel better, to address your main complaint. That's important, to get you feeling better. When you're feeling better, Let's take the time to figure out why you're having a problem. Fix the why, and a lot of problems go away. And if you're dealing with allergy problems, but you get your pathways working, all of a sudden a lot of other problems that you didn't even think were related start doing better. Improves health, everyone's more satisfied, and when you're dealing with the allergy things, usually what happens is as you get the machine running better, the next season, the reactions are lower and less and the next season they're even lower. And then, you're just using some of the things on and off as you need it instead of every day.
1: What is the reverse need? I'm sorry? So, you said the next year you could have a good year as opposed to a previous year.
0: Right, it'll be better.
1: But like last year for me was perfect with the allergy and I incorporated yeah. the DS and none of the flares like the entire year. year yeah but then the start of this year, I'm all in
0: a whack. Okay, so that could be one of many things. It could be other areas that are out of balance, and you're not breaking down the histamine as well, or you could be more stressed, so you're you're generating a lot more histamine, let alone what happens when the pollens hit you. So it could be a whole bunch of different things, or like two years ago, when the winter was so screwy, and we had that late storm, instead of different things blooming every week or ten days, nothing bloomed till like the middle of April, and then we had everything came out in the same two weeks. And every almost everyone, people who never had allergies, had a bad season. So there's just so many variables. Okay, so now two products. This was our number one seller, one of our number one sellers. It has Vitamin C, quercetin, which stabilizes the mast cells, stinging nettle, bromelain, n acetylcysteine This one has the licorice also. Similar formula with the licorice, which is good for the gut. You no. Well, you can. That's very good too. Um, the dosage on them is variable. If you're having a problem, they recommend the loading dose to get those mast cells stabilized. Mm-hmm. For adults, it's two, three times a day. It's usually a week or 10 days. Once you're feeling better, you start bringing it down until you find what's a good dose for you. Uh, some people might, after everything's good, everything's going well, and then they're allergic to ragweed. So in the fall, they're down to one capsule a day, and all of a sudden, they're miserable again. If it starts, depending upon what's blooming, you can go up and down on that. The right time to start it is probably, like you said, you to have problems a couple weeks ago. To get the body ready yes. for the pollens, but it's never too late to start. Um, but
1: we didn't have a cold enough
0: winter. It right, so things stop. are right, and so, the medicine. right, right because the medicine. we never had a long hard oh. frost yeah. and snow cover. So I know we have a whole bunch of our shrubs have already started budding, mm-hmm. and they started like the end of January. Then they stopped, and then they started. And when we that mold side. When you start having the warm and the cold and the wet and the cold and the wet and the cold, and the and the cold the mold goes nuts, and so that's a big thing too. Oh, you could know, no, be having a mold issue. So maybe increasing mold, mold antigen. Can I ask um, about the DHS? I'm sorry. Can
3: I ask about the dehis versus? Yeah. the Yeah. The only thing that's different, different
0: is, is the is liquid. Liberation. Uh, when I did the dehis and it was under that loading and yeah. back I was bruising at six weeks after that, that might have been from the quercetin, but everyone's different, so. I thought it was from the brown maybe. It, it could be, I think but I would, like I would go down to, go to one three times a day I see. and see how that is. Okay. And so they're recommended doses, but depending upon how out of balance you are, you uh, could be more sensitive. Uh, but feel free, you know, call uh-huh. us, work with us and uh-huh. we'll work with you. Probiotics, I talked Steve. about the enterobiotic. The orthobiotic is a shelf-stable one. It has, I think, eight, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven organisms and Saccharomyces. This one is freeze-dried, and it does activate, and they start living, you know, they come out of hibernation in the gut, good if you're traveling. I like the live ones that you keep refrigerated. and they makes a nice one. The flora 20, and there's a whole bunch of there's a bunch of lousy probiotics, and there's a whole bunch of good ones. So you just want to make sure you're taking a good one. It's easy enough to do. If you don't like that type of stuff, we have an herbal blend, and there's an app called Allerblast, and that has stinging nettle, um, red rishi fruit, artichoke leaf extract, elderflower, red clover. Um, and some alcohol in there to so, you know, warm you up. And so there's a, a way to do it, no matter what you, what you like or don't like. The nasal spray is a great nasal spray. It's in a saline base. It has a bunch of homeopathics in it. It's labeled, approved by the FDA. You can use it four to six times a day if you need to. And the ingredients in there, the remedies, help, not suppress, but help the body deal with the inflammation and lessen it and thin the mucus so you can get everything draining. The Flonase and things like that, they're a steroid, they shut down the immune system, so it makes you feel better, but you're not going after the why. So it works, but you stop using it, it comes right back. Same thing with Sudafed, it forces it open when it wears off, it slams shut again. This is safe for young kids right through adults. Is that only for allergies or is it the colds? It, either, and it also has homeopathic histaminum in it, which is very good, and, oh, I I thought I had a slide there. Our number one allergy product is the Allergy New England Mix, this is made Mm -hmm. for New England from all, a lot of the pollens that cause most people problems. And we also have a North Atlantic mold mix. That's the same thing for the mold. It's a spray three times a day. It gets absorbed sublingually. Doesn't make you sleepy. You can use any of these along with your antihistamines so you're feeling better. And then when you're feeling better, you can go down to once a day even and go up and down. And this one, very good to start if we can f- ever figure it out. At least a couple of weeks before the snow's all gone, before things start growing. But the last three or four years, there's no way to tell when that's going to be. You know, we had a couple of years ago in January, we were up in the mid 70s. I used that very
3: severe tree allergies. They're bad. I've got to have injections and yeah. they just can't get rid of them. And I thought, why aren't they bothering me? And I was taking the spray, so I just yeah. said, I'm going to stop
0: unbelievable. it. Unbelievable. Boom, I was in and bed. Right
3: Two days later, I said, okay, because I'm really good at trialing things. You think something, something, and and it's not. And sometimes it's good. And it worked again. If you
0: have something that you think is working but you're not sure, unless it's life and death, stop it for a couple weeks. Because going forward, if it's a slow move forward, you might not notice it. But when you stop and you take a giant step backwards, you really notice it. But I have and such
3: a severe allergy that I was so surprised how well, well that worked.
0: And it's gentle, little kids can use it. Yeah. Um, sabadil. That's a homeopathic tablet, goes or a tablet with homeopathics in it that go under the tongue again, mm-hmm. gets absorbed. It has allium sepa, euphrasia, sabadilla. It's very good for the allergy symptoms. doesn't make you drowsy. Mm-hmm. Are um, those uh, the little
1: pellets? Yep. Come. It
0: comes in pellets and in tablets. Um, pellets, are the no, you know, and this, the better seller, and Boron now has, if you buy, there's three vials in here of the pellets. If you buy two, they give you a third one free. They want you to have one <laughs> in your pocket and home work. Yes.
1: Um, just a question about the nasal sprays. Can you yeah. can take those with, like, the dehist? If you're taking the yes. dehist, you can take those in addition,
0: okay? Absolutely. And if you're taking the dehist or the rhist, you can use. We have a lot of people that use the Allergy New England mix and the dehist or the rhist. There's one right there. Yeah. And if I can say it lovingly, she was a mess. Yeah. And she's doing well, much, much better. Is um, the APB1 Assist is the DAO enzyme, uh, oh. and the DAO enzyme for a while wasn't available, no right. idea why, but it's back on the market. Oh, what's yeah. that called yeah. yet? apb one assist. for most people it's two capsules with histamine-containing foods. Some people need more, some people one will work, so you have to play around with it. Um, you should be trying to, if you have a problem with histamine foods limited, if you're going out to eat, you're going over someone's house, you don't have to say, no, I can't eat that, 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 and that. I'll just have <coughs> a piece of celery. You know, you can't eat. And so this is very, very helpful. So, uh, wait. Yeah?
1: The, the, but you have to be having some sort of histamine-containing
0: food, food with it. This gets it, within the gut and will break down histamine, histamine from food that you are eating. But...
1: Only if you're eating the
0: histamine right, right at that time. Right, it's like a digestive enzyme, you take it with the meal.
1: Just like a lactase. Like yeah, just so lacto- like if you're gonna have some, di- some ice
0: cream, you take it. And if you're having histamine-containing foods all the time, then you take it with each meal. Now
1: should you have the um, genetic test first to find out?
0: Well, you can, um, which is, R if you know when you eat these foods that have histamine, you have more of a problem. I would say 80 percent, 90 percent. Yes. Yeah. Um, local honey. Excellent for us. And it's delicious. And this company, Carpe they there in Westford, they, like this one is, I, if you're going to use honey, this is this spring berry blossom. It's made from all the spring plants. So that would be the one to eat now. Then they have a summer, a fall, and an early winter because the pollens are different. And honey should be real thick. It could start settling down. That's all normal. That's good. Now, another one, which is a very interesting blend, called histamine balancer. This is for people who have a histamine problem and have a real problem with some of the foods because it's a homeopathic blend, and in addition to histamine and some things for the gut, it also has um, eggplant, cherry, bell pepper, tobacco, um, salmon, trout, um, and a lot of the foods people have problems with. And it's an ultra-dilution, and so it's almost like the allergy desensitization. And, It says on here, this is the only thing I don't like about it, it says one to two teaspoons, one to two times a day. You don't need teaspoons. Half a drop of full is plenty. It's a homeopathic. More isn't better. You're just wasting it. So this this can be very, very
3: helpful. Is that what's up there?
0: That's this one.
3: Yeah, okay.
0: And then um, I did APB1. (laughs) It just became legal about a month or six weeks ago for pharmacies to sell CBD. What was really interesting, you could buy it in any retail outlet, gas stations, anywhere in the state, but pharmacies weren't allowed to carry it. And that's because the DEA was saying it's still an illegal narcotic, okay? So the current administration finally told them to get with the rest of the country by taking it away from them. And they took it away and gave it to the Department of Agriculture, who doesn't care. And so that's good for us. Yeah. I'm more, the guy, the gentleman who's giving the lecture on CBD, I have, personally, I have a histamine issue. I don't, I, my DAO is fine, but my HNMT is, I have a SNP on just about every single HNMT gene. I've had allergies since I was a little kid. I went through 12 years of shots. I lived on antihistamines for 20, 25 years. And then I finally decided, you know, if all this was working, I should, after, you know, 40 years, I should be cured. And I wasn't. So I started working homeopathically. I cleaned up my diet. I was doing much better. And I was under a lot of stress, you know, with the sandwich generation. And I found. I was, when I got stressed, I was breaking out in a rash on both sides of my face, and it was flaking. So I went to the dermatologist. You always have it checked out. She did a biopsy. It was fine. And she started asking me, what am I doing? And I do a lot of bike riding. She said, it must be the straps. Mm. So I couldn't find straps made out of another material. So I bought a new helmet, and I wrapped it in lamb's wool. So I look like an absolute
1: (laughs) puffy white face. Yeah, and
0: didn't make any difference. And then through the winter I would have the problem. And I'm not outside. I'm not that crazy. I'm not bike riding in the winter. winter. So I finally figured out when I did my genetic testing, it was the histamine side. Mm -hmm. Everything was cleared up, but I was still getting this. So on Mm -hmm. CBD is all different extracts, like I said at the beginning, and. Um, the the head researcher for this company and I were talking and he wants to look into DNA testing and I said, I've read something about CBD but I don't know enough about it for this. And he said, very interesting, so their brown one, they call this red, Um, I call it brown, but this one doesn't cross the blood-brain barrier. So we said, put this on topically, the brown one, The yellow extract, he said, take a low dose twice a day. Yeah, under the tongue, you hold it for about a minute. And he said, this one helps stabilize the mast cells Mm -hmm. internally. Mm -hmm. And this one is very good at stabilizing the mast cells on the skin. Mm -hmm. And within about two weeks, the flakiness went away. And I went through another stressful couple of days, which Mm -hmm. is life, but usually three, four days later. My wife says at night, she keeps grabbing my hands because I'm scratching all night and I'm not having that. So is it the CBD that finally did that or was it the other things I'm doing finally kicked in? I don't care. I don't care. Yes?
2: How does this CBD compare with what we get with medical marijuana CBD?
0: Different. Because the medical marijuana has THC in it also. Always. Always. Different degrees, but it does have it. Also, there are different extracts. The better, I'll say what I've learned, and what I think, the better companies on CBD make different extractions. You don't want it to be a clear liquid like a tincture because CBD is the active constituent, but you want all the other stuff from the hemp. So they extract the CBD, they standardize it, and then they put all the other constituents. There's minerals in there. And there's a whole bunch of other cannabinoids in there, and that's what makes it really work. Yeah. And then, depending upon, do you need it in the central nervous system, or do you need it mainly in the body and not too much in the central nervous system? There's all different amounts of each of them. Yeah. So, it is and is this um, tincture a clear tincture? No. No. No, is it's thick. Right. Right. And it's go- a little goofy. It right. tastes. Um, I think it tastes great. Right.
2: You know, my, my picture is is also not clear. And, yeah. And yeah, it should. But yours would
0: have the over the counter have almost non-detectable amounts of THC. Yep. That's yes. why they can
2: sell it over the counter. Oh, it's because when I look at the, it's okay. when I look at the THC amount, it's a minuscule, where the CBD
0: is maximum. much more. But there's um, still THC in yeah, it. Yeah,
2: and I thought that that's what helped it work effectively, not necessarily. It depends upon what you need. Some right.
0: people need the THC, a lot of people don't. Thank you. Okay. And then we talked about the genetic testing. And that's the end. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> no, this is fun. I'm sorry if you were excited. The histamine might one. be up. All that right, that so. The adazepam works somewhat, mm-hmm. I don't know, this is because it's that's a, it's. Well, the adazepam works on the GABA receptors. Is that, isn't it a uh, mast cell stabilizer? I thought it's good to it, it does help stabilize them, but there's better ways to stabilize them. Because if you have to take enough diazepam to stabilize your mast cells 24 hours a day, seven days oh, no, a week. when I have an attack, it's like oh, really yeah. But it also calms down the anxiety, which is putting out the stress, which is putting out more histamine. Yes? What about propolis? Propolis is excellent too, because any, anything that the, the bees, I don't have everything up here, but there's propolis and honey. Okay. And propolis, you know, all the honey, it's part, it's part of what the bees make. And the the bees are very very. I don't know if they're very smart nature. <laughs> but they go around and get so sort of the different pollen. That's why you want to use a local honey, because it's giving you tiny amounts to help desensitize you to the allergens in the area. And propolis is very, very good for the immune system and it's very it can be very good for allergies
3: too.